0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, episode 46, Siempre Bruja, Always a Witch.
0: Welcome back everybody. My name is Mike and I'm here with Dave and we had to follow up on our discussion last week about subtitled sci-fi international shows that are not in English with a topic that fits right in with that. And I'm excited about this one because it really kind of follows up nicely with that. Although in a different way, we have a lot of of things to talk about with this show. Always a witch that are both indicative of the trend and also maybe having some difficulty with that trend as well. Was that accurate to say,
1: Dave? Well, I think so. And certainly one of the trends on Netflix is the plethora of international genre fare that, that we've been deluged with. And I mean that in the best possible sense. But there also seems to be more of a bent towards fantasy and supernatural rather than hardcore science fiction.
0: Right. And plus, even the fantasy shows of the past and the science fiction shows, have kind of set the bar kind of high. So Always a Witch happens to be one of the more recent entries into the Netflix lineup, and that's why it showed up on our schedule today. But obviously there's a lot of different shows that you could dig into the vault with. Uh, I want to mention right up front that this begins our practice, our attempted practice, I should say, of keeping it spoiler-free. So all of the podcasts from here on out, you should be able to listen to the beginning of Decide if it's a show you want to check out. And obviously Always a Witch is not necessarily going to be one that everyone has already checked out. And then we'll hit the spoiler zone button and tell you to tune out if you want to watch it before listening to the rest of the podcast. And we'll try and keep to that. It's not an exact science. Dave's going to talk a lot about the characters in Always a Witch before we get to the spoiler zone. And so he might mention some details. But uh, really we're just going to try and keep it separate for those of you who haven't seen it yet so that you can still use our podcast to decide if it's worth your time.
1: Yeah. And as we've said before, there are also people that maybe want to invest in a couple episodes, maybe hear what we think about it before they decide to move on. And, you know, we've talked about this before. A lot of times we feel one way about a show and then by the end of the discussion, we feel differently.
0: All right. Exactly. And We're also holding to the two or three episodes being discussed in general, like we did with Umbrella Academy. That was an interesting one for me because originally that podcast was supposed to come out two days after release. So it made sense that we only talked about the beginning and neither of us had seen farther than that at that point. But obviously the Umbrella Academy had a ton of twists in store that we were clueless about and it didn't end up in the discussion of the podcast. So there is sort of a, a drawback there or a trade off in only doing a couple episodes. But I think you can't be everything to every listener. So we're just doing our best
1: to serve as many people as we can. Right. So, all right. Well, let's jump into Always a Witch, which is Netflix's second original series produced in Colombia, and that would be the South American country as opposed to the maryland city in between baltimore and dc (laughs) yes in which both of us have lived at some point it was inspired by the novel yo bruja by isadora Chacon, shot entirely in 4k now of course i don't have a 4k tv so i'm not really reaping the benefits it looks damn good on my high def tv (laughs) nonetheless interestingly it's billed as a young adult drama and i understand that and and during the course of the discussion i'll I'll bring a few things up about that and it dropped on february 1st 2019 with 10 episodes
0: you know what it struck me as is more of a almost like a telenovela in some ways (laughs) yeah
1: exactly and there is a certain sensibility as i've told you i've watched a lot of spanish television with my wife not all sci-fi And there's a different sensibility that takes a little bit of getting used to. But certainly, if this was on United States television, it would most certainly have a place on the CW. I mean, yeah, (laughs) all the actors are attractive. Many of the thematic ideas appeal and are important to a younger audience. That said, it's still an enthralling concept with compelling characters. And it's a lot of fun. I'm going to talk. As you said about the first two episodes, A Leap in Time and A University Witch. And when we get to the spoiler zone, go a little bit more into detail, maybe even mention a detail or two from episode three or four. But let's take a look at the premise first of all. The story opens in Cartagena, 1646, at a slave auction. When a young man convinces his father to purchase Carmen, who then comes to work for the family as an indoor domestic. Now, I've had some conversations with people that are a little put off by the slave angle. And while I certainly get that, I guess we have to go back to the time. But I would also argue that it shows that there are individuals who want to rise above and eventually eliminate Things like slavery.
0: Well, then that's what's interesting, too, about all the press that's out there and even the international press have kind of criticized it on that score. The fact that she ends up being in love with the man who whose family purchased her and it just doesn't fit with the modern sensibility. But as the series goes on, there is addressing of that issue and it allows them to address that issue. It makes it more dramatic when those things have to be addressed. So I think that a lot of the people who maybe thought that about this series didn't watch it all the way to the end. That's just a theory.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Oh no, I I agree a hundred percent. So Carmen falls in love with the son, Cristobal, who, you know, convinces his father to purchase her so that she doesn't have to endure the humiliation of what could be done to her. Should she be purchased by a, a family that that's going to treat her certainly not as nicely as they do, given the circumstances. All right, don't, I don't want to have to keep explaining <laughs> yeah. myself here. I, I, exactly. Right. But they begin a secret relationship that flourishes until his mother discovers that a slave can read and write. They leave each other notes in this secret place in the house. So on the one hand, the mother's not upset that she's black, although I'm certain that that is a factor it's this horrible idea that she can read and write. Therefore, she must be a witch. Now, that could be her excuse to get her out of her son's life, I mean, certainly. But she's accused of being aligned with the devil. And the next thing we know, Carmen is slated to be burned at the stake.
0: And I think it's interesting that she makes that conclusion. And it just happens to be true as
1: well. Yeah, exactly. Now, But not in an evil way. Although, at this point, she I mean, she knows, but she doesn't know. And, and again, that's something that comes out through the course of the series. But while she's being held, she meets Aldemar, who's in the cell next to her. He teaches her a spell first so she can levitate up and talk to him on the other side of the wall. But it activates what I'll just call her witchness that we, in a later episode, learn the background behind that but but she really doesn't know what kind of power she has he makes a deal with her and this deal includes sending her to the future
0: yeah and that's what's so interesting is that i think i told you dave that of the topics that we've been covering since beginning this new format only one show has not dealt with time travel in some way. So I think that's a pretty good track record for one of our major interests, even though this isn't sci-fi, it's fantasy.
1: All right. And if you recall that one message I sent you lamenting the fact that we were, you know, dealing with all of these supernatural shows and you reminded me, well, this was time travel. That was time travel. <laughs> yeah. So, now as Carmen's being burned, she somehow removes herself from the stake finds herself in the water near a beach, but it's 2019. Clearly, she's disoriented. Her feet are burned, and she ends up in the hospital where she's treated. And And this is where the first story arc takes place, because the police, of course, have been alerted that there's a Jane Doe, burned feet, was brought in here disoriented. They want to question her. She immediately senses this personal danger And when she invokes the spell that cuts the power in the hospital, you know, I don't know about you. It's not clear to me whether she actually knows what she's doing or whether it's the distress that just naturally causes the lights to go out.
0: And isn't it interesting, too, that at this point in our television viewing, you know, we've seen Carrie. We've seen Firestarter. It's always stress, (laughs) That brings it out. So we just kind of go, oh, yeah, she wasn't able to practice magic until Adam Aldemar taught her the words. But here, because she's under stress, she does it instinctually.
1: Right. And, And certainly there's that aspect to always a witch where this young woman finds herself in an environment 350 to 400 years past what she's used to so so not only does she have to deal with the burned feet the the fact that she realizes somebody's after her but then she's got to navigate 2019 which I don't know about you it's difficult for me <laughs> not been here the <laughs> yeah. whole time yeah she does get used to it awfully quickly doesn't she <laughs> uh, she does now once carmen starts to integrate into 21st century life she meets the professor Nanebe that she's looking for and the present quest revolves around Lucien, who becomes the focal point of the narrative at this point. And we'll get into a little bit about Lucien, I guess, in the uh, spoiler zone. But we've been mentioning Carmen. She is a real pure-blood witch, and and that's uh, Aldemar that reveals that to her. I'm not sure she recognized it in herself.
0: I feel like there was a little bit of mention of her uncle, I think it was her uncle, yes. that kind of nurtured her and knew about her nature. And because I get the impression that her healing that she did, there was a flashback in which she healed somebody. She could do that kind of without thinking about it or casting a spell per se. It was just one of her talents. So, so I get the sense that she knew something was special about her, just not how much.
1: Right, we see that in a flashback, as you said, with her uncle when she's a a very young girl, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. eight or nine, something like that. But Carmen finds herself in Cristobal's family home, which is now in twenty nineteen, a hotel or a hostel, I guess, actually. And we get that scene where she's standing outside and she's looking at it and there, there is some recognition. Clearly, it, it's different, but yet architecturally, structurally, she notices a similarity. I don't know that she's put two and two together quite yet, but there is a familiarity. Once she's inside, I think the interior is what leads her to realize – this is Cristobal's home she looks for a letter in their secret hiding place i really love that scene and and yeah. then especially when she leaves a note for him and i don't want to say we've seen this kind of a uh, trope a lot because i don't necessarily know that we have but this cross time Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, it's we, in
0: mostly movies, though, rather than television, I think.
1: Yeah. But it's definitely cool. It, it's a lot of fun. So she tracks Ninebe, uh, I know I keep pronouncing it probably differently. Oh, you just put the stress on the first syllable. Ninebe yeah. mm-hmm. Uh She tracks her to a local college where she's, I don't know, some kind of biology professor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And gives her the stone that Aldemar tasked her to carry out. And the professor tells her that she's going to arrange, perform a ritual to send her back to her time and starts warning Carmen about using magic. And this is the first we hear of Lucien. And what we later learn is that each time she uses her magic, it, I don't know, ostensibly sends out a signal that allows Lucienne to know she's out there and ultimately track her down.
0: Right. She's got like three identical tattoos on her arm and they start to grow more and more as her power grows. And I, I get the sense early on that once that third tattoo is fully visible, that's when Lucien will be able to find her. Other, until then, she's under under their protection. So they're like
1: wards almost. Right. And, you know, we get that early scene because at this point in the first couple episodes, Lucien is still... This this mystical mythical figure.
0: You know who I thought Lucien was originally. I'm like, is this a name for Lucifer? Right. And are they talking about witches worshipping the devil type thing? And that if you're not careful, the devil will bring you to his side, kind of like Sabrina the teenage witch. <laughs> but alas, no. Right. He
1: he still has an evil slant. Yeah. But we get that scene where we hear Nenebe tell somebody on the phone, it's time to be Lucien and free Aldemar. And we see this black mist sort of attack her. And, okay, you know, now we're wondering, okay, is Lucien a separate being, a state of consciousness, this mist? We don't know at that point. But one of the coolest characters, and unfortunately we don't see a lot of him, is Aldemar the immortal, who is carmen's cellmate and recognizes what she is makes the deal with her and she wants to bring cristobal back from the dead and we'll talk about why she wants to do that in a second when we talk about cristobal and his parents and he says though he can't raise the dead he can travel back in time which will allow her to prevent her lover's death but obviously we know with our time travel experience it's not going to be quite that easy
0: Right. Well, and especially since you mentioned that the professor gets grabbed up by that black mist. And so right away, her mission is not necessarily failed. She found in but, you know, she can't really do much to go back without the professor's help. Right.
1: Now, we mentioned Cristobal, who is the young man that alerts her father about Carmen's plight at the slave auction. And he seems like a nice young man. It's a wealthy family. And he truly seems bothered by the harsh treatment that Carmen and the others receive at the hands of the slave dealer. And, you know, in the limited time we see him, he does truly seem to be in love with Carmen. That is until his father shoots and kills him. (laughs) Or does he? (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. She assumes Cristobal is dead. And we, of course, know he's not. So that's as we see, she's leaving him notes in the secret place not realizing exactly what kind of a situation she's in is he going to get that note 350 years prior or i didn't do the math
0: yeah it's it's, it's like she's doing it just for comfort right but she has hope that it will somehow cross the streams of times and, and get to him before he's dead
1: right so you know i mentioned his father shoots him the mother accuses his love of being a witch and has her burned at the stake. So uh, his parents are not the most likable individuals we see in the early episodes. That's for sure. Now, uh, one of the professor's students, Alicia, comes front and center in the first few episodes and you know, also through the end of the series. But as we say, we want to kind of limit it to the first few And we learn that there's something she's agreed to do and now wants to back out. So our first inclination is to assume that Alicia is also a witch at at this point. Right, because
0: Nineveh referred to an assistant. So Carmen automatically believes that Alicia is that assistant, but she seems very reluctant to help Carmen in any way.
1: Right. But we find out. Pretty early on, well, number one, she's a serious student, seriously attractive as well. And you know what? Everybody in the series is. So let's just (laughs) get that out of the way.
0: Yeah. Carmen has some uh, extremely white, straight teeth for someone in the 1600s. Uh, Yes, she does. Yes,
1: she does. (laughs) But Alicia has allowed her sketchy boyfriend to make a sex tape with her. And he's now using it to blackmail her. Now I I mentioned at the top of the discussion that there are certainly some themes that are important to young people. And and I think whether it's a warning, whatever, I, I think that was in there for a reason and whether it's trying to be socially responsible as a TV series, Okay, fine. Oh, you mean the use of social media and being protective
0: of yourself? And there's that throughout the series, I think.
1: Exactly. And, you know, allowing your boyfriend to do this and putting yourself in that sort of a situation. But as a plot device, you know, as part of the narrative, it does show her and the viewer that her friends rally around her. Right. And they do employ the supernatural to put an end to her problems, (laughs) although they have to do that somewhat surreptitiously but i would be remiss to not mention johnny key who
0: oh gosh
1: (laughs) just a wonderful character i mean he's clearly the comic relief but as the season moves on his story becomes more and more serious his grandmother runs the hostel at which carmen finds herself and has the grandmother has really taken a shine to carmen as has Johnny Key, who.
0: Well, what's interesting, too, is that it's kind of like Beverly Hills 90210, where are we supposed to believe that these guys are actually 17 and 18 year old years old? Because Johnny Key is supposedly 17, and I don't think that actor is. But, yeah, he's the youngest of the group in the
1: uh, series. All right. So we see him. He's a DJ, plays in a band. As I said, semi-sketchy. with drugs mostly uh, yeah and and while i said he does provide some comic relief he's not totally oblivious to what's going on he's been trying to contact his dead parents to ask their forgiveness since he blames himself for their deaths so once we learn that about him a lot of what we see him do makes more sense and i and i think we really kind of latch on to him he certainly becomes a much more compelling character once we learn that's what his obsession with Ouija boards and and the supernatural and the occult that's that's his motivation so right that's his
0: first exposure to magic because he's the only one for quite some time that knows Carmen's true nature so yeah he's a great character to have around but before we get into the spoiler zone here and talk a little bit about the specific plot lines that these characters encounter, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to go a bit more in depth with the story in Always a Witch.
1: All right, so let's take a look at I'll call it the A story. It's its maybe not the most important story early plot line but the detective is still tracking carmen after her hospital disappearance and you know we see that scene where carmen begs johnny key's grandmother for a job and a place to stay and grandma as i said has taken a shine to carmen lets her have the storage room which at first seems a little stark and and bare but she turns it into something more comfortable it turns out that it was her room in the 17th century. Yeah. Finds her hidden witch's chest, tries a spell to communicate with the wizard Aldemar. So, all right, fine. We're, you know, that's maybe pushing the line, but <laughs> we're okay. But Johnny Key, I'll say he's peeping on her, and I'm not sure <laughs> what he hoped to see. Well, I know what he hoped to see, but he sees her floating. She's lying on her bed. And all of a sudden, she starts floating in the air. Well, Johnny Key does what any intelligent 17-year-old would do. He gets his phone out and films it. And, of course, we're wondering, is it actually going to show up on his phone? I mean, (laughs) we don't know what the, the limits of her power are.
0: Well, that's what's weird is that I think she does take quite a few pictures on people's phones throughout the series. And this one does turn out. He uses it to show that he knows what's going on with her. But there is one scene that's actually in there where Carmen shows up blurry on somebody's phone as kind of a throwaway moment. So it's interesting that you said that because there was actually a scene where that happened. And I I wonder whatever came with that idea. I don't think it ever came to fruition.
1: Now, once Johnny Key sees that, he confronts Carmen, asks her point blank if she's a witch. (laughs) Right. As you said, his video does show her levitating. He points out the protection tattoos on her wrist And again, he decides, all right, let's use blackmail (laughs) when uh, given everything that's going on around him and Carmen and grandmother, blackmail wasn't probably the best way to go. And, And the two form a pretty quick connection where they are willing to help each other. And while I'm sure he has a crush on her, it's certainly not reciprocal, but they start working together. And are they friends uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the more prominent storylines is the disappearance of Nenebe. And in the background, there's uh, what, do they, what do they call it, the fire killer. Yeah, the, there's a killer on the
0: loose near the university. He's been taking young women and all that's left of them are a pile of ashes. So they've been calling the serial killer the
1: fire killer. Right. So the police want to question Carmen since she was one of the last to be seen with the professor who's now missing. And the detective tells her he remembers her from the hospital, but she wiggles out of it by showing him her perfect feet that exhibit no signs of burns. And as you mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, That's one of the early scenes where we see her with that ability to heal herself. and, And, you know, you mentioned the flashback to the past where she's learning about healing others as well. So she's now got to decide whether or not she's going to trust Alicia, who part of the problem is she's still such a fish out of water. She's still learning about social customs, social media, if you will, but She follows Alicia into a biology class ordinarily taught by Nenebe, but since the professor's missing, the class is covered by another teacher. And again, with our education background, you have to love the classroom (laughs) scenes where uh, you're not on my list, young lady.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and also the science that he's teaching is super basic. It's not very university like but that's okay <laughs>
1: yeah and and you wonder they're 17 they're saying it's university does that have a different meaning in columbia well, no, i
0: think they're older it's johnny key that's 17 I think oh, oh right a little bit older <laughs>
1: right then we get the scene where look they're young college kids we get the obligatory drinking parties and, and carmen starts feeling the effects of alcohol and and we don't know it seems hard to believe that she and cristobal never had a glass or two of wine <laughs> you know as they were secreting themselves away uh, whenever they got the chance but through touch She starts seeing these images flash. She remembers that it was Danny who helped her the night she arrived. Right. So you go back to that night when she finds herself on the beach and there's some sort of party or festival or something going on. And this young guy sees her and and he comes up, he takes her to the hospital. But he basically does, you know, I, I guess a version of dumping her on the steps of the hospital. It's not quite that bad, but he doesn't stick around.
0: Right. And it's interesting that a lot of the stuff at the beginning of the series seems very secretive. You're trying to figure out what's really going on. And then it turns out not to usually be what it first appears to be, whether it be Alicia's reluctance to help Carmen at first or Johnny Key's blackmail or or Danny's secretive way of taking her to the hospital. They all have very mundane reasons behind that. But that ends up blessing him into a story backstory for each of the characters.
1: Right. And so while all this is going on, Carmen wants to find the professor so that she can be returned to her time. She still thinks that Alicia is a witch. So she follows her to Nineveh's house and Alicia seems to be looking for clues. We're not exactly sure what it is she's looking for at first. I think we find out that it was her complaint against the, uh, I can't remember if it was the boy that that made the sex tape of her, or yeah. if it was a yeah. if it was an, another complaint.
0: Well, because she, I think she worried that the video of their sexual encounter would get released if the the boy found out that she had told the professor.
1: Right now, Alicia doesn't really know anything about Lucien, and, and is apparently, as we said, trying to recover these files. And at this point, Carmen offers to help Alicia. <laughs> Who says, I must be pretty desperate to resort to witchcraft. (laughs) And the irony is, she is pretty desperate. Whether she believes what Carmen's telling her is another thing, of course. But Alicia goes to the bar where Angel, her sketchy boyfriend, works, uses the potion that Carmen brewed up. And, uh, you know, that's we see Johnny Key and his band are up on the stage in the background. So they pretty much got everybody in that scene. (laughs) But the question becomes, how is she going to free Aldemar if the professor is dead? So now she's sort of caught in 2019 without a viable way to return to 1649. And of course, we know Cristobal's not dead. Right.
0: That's a cool reveal, too, because you start to think, well, then she still needs to get back to her time. But she doesn't have to go back to before all this happened. So how is she going to get back? How is Aldemar going to bring her back? And how would she even know, you know, what time she was heading to in order to, to do anything. So it seems kind of hopeless at first actually. And you wonder how is she going to get anything done, much less something so specific as saving Cristobal, which he doesn't even need saving anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we, we see the scene where she leaves the note in, in their secret spot. And it seems as if he senses Carmen's presence when they're in the same room in different time frames so you know that's kind of a cool thing as well you know I I mentioned Johnny Key determined to contact his parents and wants Carmen to help him communicate with the dead parents and and that's I don't want to say it's a sweet scene but it certainly humanizes Johnny Key And given everything, as you mentioned, the drugs, the band, the obsession with the occult, and once we learn what it's really about, then I think he certainly becomes more humanized. And then, of course, the the scene with the ghost. Johnny Key inadvertently conjures up this ghost (laughs) of a young man that it appears he committed suicide, but at the end of it all, he just wants to communicate to his distraught mother that it's okay. He wants her to move on. And and again, just like Johnny Key simply wants his parents to forgive him, this young man just simply wants his mother to move on, don't live your life distraught over my death. And it's kind of a nice scene.
0: And that's what I like about this series is that it has time for little subplots that don't end up necessarily being important to the overall mythology. So it's not necessarily an episode of the week formula for the show, but inside the series, as it goes along are mini plots, including that one. There's one where Carmen gets her shadow stolen for a little while, and she forgets her mission and who she is. There's little subplots with relationships between her friends at college that crop up with problems that she has to solve. And along the way, She's trying to do the greater mission. And so in that way, it actually weaves these little tales that are not episodic, but are across maybe one or two episodes that bring them all together as a group and explain their close bond by the end of the series that causes them to work together to defeat the evil.
1: Right. But we have neglected to point out arguably the most important detail, which is that if you put your beats headphones on. You'll be allowed to travel to an (laughs) interdimension where you can communicate with somebody that's 450 years in the past. Because it seems like whenever Johnny Key goes into this underworld or wherever, he's got his beats on. I guess those are beats. I don't know.
0: Yeah. He puts himself into some kind of hypnotic state. There's a lot of things like that that we're just supposed to take at face value, including that gap above the doorway that they can pass notes back and forth between the two time periods. It's like once the rules are explained you're like okay <laughs> yeah i'll go with yeah. that
1: <laughs> yeah so you know there continues to be a viewer base that's interested in tales of witches and witchcraft and you know with several solid mysteries compelling young female protagonists solid secondary characters and this cross-time romance i think fans of shows like charmed and sabrina that we talked about back around uh, halloween and fans of the supernatural in general it is targeted, I think, for a younger audience, but that doesn't mean you can't have some fun watching it. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, then check out Always a Witch, Siempre Bruja on Netflix.
0: Yeah. And I think those people who are looking for a strong female lead and a black female lead at that, I think there was a lot made of there being an Afro-Latina actress in this role. And although, you know, they're from Colombia and they're They're pretending like they're in Spain and and they are Spanish characters. Some people wish that there had been a better representation other than a slave for this actor. But be that as it may, I think there's something in there for everyone.
1: Well, right. And, And she's wonderful as Carmen. But again, the slave angle is a minute or two. And then... Right. And it does get addressed later in the series. I'll promise you that. (laughs) Yes. All right, Mike. So what do we got
0: up next? All right. Next on our docket is one that has come up again, where we have these comic book shows that we would normally wouldn't gravitate towards, but this dark flavor that they've come up with these days has really appealed to us. And so we checked out doom patrol on DC's new streaming service, DC universe, which also has the Titans show as well from which this might be considered a backdoor pilot that aired on that show. So we're going to talk about Doom Patrol, a very unique brand of superhero, a super team, if you will, that doesn't necessarily consider themselves as such at first. So I'm really looking forward to talking about this very unique spin on the superhero formula. That'll be next Sunday, but that's going to be it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US, and we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity.
1: And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you access it. And be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or in an email to Sci-Fi Fidelity at gmail.com. Thanks again for
0: listening, and we'll see you next week.